Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 110 of the C Zest Show. It's yours truly, Sir Caesars, and I'm back again with another fun-filled episode. But before I get into today's hottest topics, I'd like to do two things. One, make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at Sir Caesars, at the Caesars Show. Caesars Show is available on all major platforms. So do yourself a favor, check that sh- out. Two, I like to always rehash last week's episode. So Daryl Sharp, my brother, and I essentially focused on first-round playoff previews. We're right with some things and wrong with some things as well, too. So I kind of want to keep that same energy flowing. So I'm bringing him back for this upcoming episode on second-round semifinals preview matches. So keep in mind that this was pre-recorded. So we had a what-if scenario. What if Dallas goes on to play Utah or the Clippers going to play Utah? If I'm a betting man, I'm going to say Dallas, but my heart is going to go with the Clippers, Team Kawhi all day. So without further ado, let's get to today's hottest topics. What's good, man? It's good to be back. Good to be back again, round two, round two. I mean, we we had a we had a couple, you know, series right, and we had a couple series wrong. So um, hopefully we get it right around this time, man. How you been? I'm, I'm chilling, man. Uh, you know, yesterday was tough for LeBron fans, but it's part of the, it's part of the game. It's good to be back, though, talking to you, catching up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's let's just get straight to it, man. So yesterday was uh, a little a little devastating, I have to say. And, uh, you know, LeBron James took his first ever playoff first round L, uh, which is crazy. The Suns ended up beating them by 13 points, 113 to 100. And, um, you know, Devin Booker was sensational. Went for over 20 in the first quarter, ended up with 47 points and 11 rebounds and pretty much ended the night in the first quarter as well, too. Um, It was pretty crazy because everyone kind of expected LeBron James to give this heroic 40-point triple-double type of night and whatnot. Um, he played relatively well. He, 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 he at least attempted 26 shots, ended up with 29 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Um, didn't go out in the fashion that I wanted to, but, you know, it, it, it was just kind of crazy. Um, and just watching him that night, there was points in time where he, he doesn't even realize. I don't know if he realized anyone's told him before, but his body language, like, he needs to kind of control that in a sense because he's kind of a leader. Well, he is a leader. And sometimes it seems like, all right, if I'm giving off bad vibes, then that's just going to reflect on the team as well, too. There will be some times where he get hacked or someone missed a defensive assignment or he missed a shot, and he just kind of seems checked out, kind of, you know, late to getting on defense X, Y, and Z. But they did all that they did all that they could do, but – at the end of the day, we kind of knew if AD wasn't going to be available um, to play, then, you know, they weren't going to win as well, too. So originally we had both the Lakers in five. Obviously, the Lakers actually ended up losing the six. Um, but it's kind of crazy because AD, you know, he had a growing injury. He had a knee, knee injury as well, too. He just had so many injuries just accumulated and it, it kind of came into fruition um, as well, too. And I also think I think the Lakers could have found a way to to take game six, but in the same sense as like, I think with 80 going down in those first five minutes, that was kind of demoralizing. And then you can see how it was because they were down. Man, I can't even remember how much they were down. Um, but after that, you kind of knew it was over. Um, at least I would have had the mindset that 81 play and just don't play him at all. But I think 
he kind of caved into, you know, the outside world for a second. And, and also I think you want to be available for his teammates, but with a growing strain like that, you can't come back in one day. You know what I'm saying? It's real. So, so, so that was crazy, man. But, you know, what were your thoughts on that game? Um, and what were your thoughts on, you know, the Phoenix Suns throughout the series? Um, well, I knew Phoenix was a good team all year. Um, like you mentioned, I thought the Lakers were going to win in five. I thought if healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron James would be able to succumb to Phoenix offense of DeAndre Ayton, who played like he played like probably one of the best centers in the NBA and Devin Booker. I mean, he showed why he's probably one of the elite NBA guards. But even with that being said, I, f- I felt like with LeBron and Anthony Davis healthy, the Lakers would be a tough team to beat. And they won two straight games in a row when LeBron and um, Ant were both on the court. Um, but I think with no Anthony Davis and old Marcus all Drummond, who really doesn't know the play, and you're not really getting that much production from your role players, and you're shooting historically low from the three-point line, you're not going to be anybody. So when you look at all those different factors, the Suns were too much for the Lakers. And they showed they had like they two games, I think the Suns opened up with a 20-point lead. Part of it now is the Lakers not showing any type of sense of urgency. Other parts of it, like they were just overwhelming the Lakers. Like they couldn't do anything with Devin Booker. He was scoring at will. And I think, I think when you realize that, even with the kind of hamper Chris Paul, the Lakers had nothing because LeBron can't be the facilitator and score 35 like this is 2010 LeBron, right? When that, when your starting point guard gives you zero points, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. So, yeah. so it's That's tough. crazy. Um, so another another subtitle I want to get into since we're you know talking about evaluating the Lakers and LeBron James and whatnot, I got a couple hot takes for you. What's up? One, everybody's questioning AD's you know health, um, and I think that should be something to you know kind of look at you know moving forward. Obviously, he good. He got paid. He a champion. He he's set for life and whatnot as well too. But he's only I think what twenty seven, maybe twenty eight years old. So he should just be hitting his prime right now. You got people like. You know, Charles Barkley calling him street clothes. You got all of a social media, just wild stuff that again tossed his way as well, too. Do you think that he's just built fragile or do you think he can take, you know, the proper steps to basically not only regain his strength, but, you know, just be durable? Because I feel like his body isn't really used to the grind like this. And obviously, if there's any teams to, to have an explanation slash excuse for anything, it's the Miami Heat. And it's also the Los Angeles Lakers because of the fast turnaround. But it just felt like every single year, I don't even know anymore. It's like, yo, are you going to be ready when it matters the most as well, too? So do you think uh, his durability is going to be a concern moving forward? Because there should be no reason why LeBron's in year 18 and he's the most fit person on his team, which is ridiculous. I know he spends like $1.5 million on his body every year, but specifically focused on AD, do you think his durability should be a concern moving forward? Uh, so yeah, so two things, right? I think 
I think you have to take into consideration that he's a big man and the, the season was condensed. He didn't have his normal three months to really rehabilitate and really train. He's doing that all on the fly. Um, a lot of players got hurt this year, right? A lot of players got hurt this year because of the NBA season. So I wouldn't throw all of that on just Anthony Davis. I would. You have to look at the entire context of the NBA season. Now, durability is an issue for players that are getting older. So maybe Anthony Davis may have to try new things with his trainer and really talk about how he's going to develop and build his body to, t- to take on the grind of the NBA season. But this whole, this whole narrative that people are saying Anthony Davis is fragile, I don't really like, I don't really fuck with it to me because this is a guy that showed you after he took, after the NBA took like three months off and returned to the bubble, he dominated. Like this is a player, like he didn't have any major injuries, I think last season, right? When he had his full reps, his full training, like, I think this is a new narrative and I think this is something Anthony and his team are going to come back next year and be like, yo, this is what we're about. Now you can't explain a freak accident, a freak injury, but there were a lot of soft tissue injuries this year in the NBA. So like, that's just the nature of a sport and the nature of the condensed season where players really didn't have that much training time and you had to get right back to it like that. So, um, I think I think the Lakers um, and Anthony Davis should be fine. I would be somewhat concerned because he is our most important player and our best player, and we've given him this much amount of money over one point over a hundred million dollars. So um, durability is a concern, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. Okay. Another thing I want to you know raise to you as well, like. It just seemed a lot of times, like like I said, we expected LeBron James to just, you know, be a full-out freight train the whole time. Yeah, right? for you sure. Know, even, even last year, he was looking like that as well, too. Now, I don't know if I want to, you know, attribute this to, like I said, the, consent, the, the condensed season, the fast turnaround, the fact that this was, aside from his groin injury he had two seasons ago, this year he, he bummed up his ankle. Um, so I couldn't really tell because you show flashes of his athleticism, a la the, the alley hoop that he caught from, you know, homie, what's his name, Alice Caruso, or how he's toying with, with Jay Crowder and whatnot as well, too. There seemed to be spurts where he looked like himself, and there would also seem to be spurts where, you know, he was just very passive and he kind of wanted to just play off ball a little bit more. He wasn't being necessarily aggressive and kind of doing what Luke is essentially doing where he's spotting out the mismatch and just getting to the rack as well too um I don't know if you I don't know I don't I don't know like what was going on but he didn't necessarily look like the LeBron James of old as well too so mm-hmm. hot question for you is it the injuries or do you think we're we're kind of witnessing and we're just not truly accepting it yet but do you think we're we're, we're in that era where LeBron is I mean obviously he's older but he he's not in his prime anymore. He's like on the decline. On the decline. Um, I think I think it's a combination of he's getting older in age, but also he got he got hurt this year, right? A high ankle sprain ain't no joke. Um, so that's something that obviously derailed his ability to be, you know, mobile, explosive, and stuff like that. 
But remember, he averaged before his injury, LeBron averaged 25.2 points this year at 36 years old, putting up those type of numbers. And he was in before he got hurt. I think he was top three, top four for MVP again this year. So and when you get a high ankle sprain, those things typically take months to heal. And then you talk about throwing somebody back <laughs> in the most high-flying physical, arguably the most physical sports in American sports, and telling them to produce at that high level again. So for me, I think it's a combination of injuries and just, again, the condensed season, players really not having that much time to really rehabilitate their bodies. Now, um, I think LeBron's going to come back next year, energized, motivated, and do what he does. Give you 26 a game, eight assists, seven rebounds. That's what he does. So I'm not concerned about it because I know the type of work he puts into his body. All right. So we, we already, we already know you, you can argue he's either the second best player or the GOAT, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say as well too. Um, does this first round exit kind of change that narrative? Like, can he even be considered to be a GOAT anymore? The GOAT anymore? Uh, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, I feel like he's still going to be in a conversation to be one of the GOATs that play basketball. Um, again, I feel like they were the Lakers weren't healthy this year. Like, it's not, to me, you can't really rate a, a player based on not considering the health of his team, right? If you're not healthy, you can't expect a team or even a player to perform at the best of their ability in terms of the GOAT conversation. My thoughts on the GOAT conversation is you're never going to find a GOAT. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? There's never going to be one criteria that fits anyone. Um, I think LeBron, when it's all said and done, he will have incredible accomplishments and he'll have an incredible career, but still he may be my GOAT. He may be your GOAT, but what does that even mean, right? I think in terms of legacy, he lost it in the first round after going 14-0. Like, motherfuckers lose, B. Like, like we playing with other great players. Like, it's going to happen eventually. But I don't think this is a stain on his legacy because he wasn't healthy. The team wasn't healthy. So we can't really rate someone if their team isn't healthy. You feel me? Also, he in the Wild Wild West too. He in won the West, West three. He won. He been in the West three years, two times. It, Once the first year he make the playoffs. Obviously, he's injured. Second year he got there, got AD. They got the number one seed, Third and they won there. Lost in the first round as well too. So I'm interested <laughs> to see what happens moving forward as well. Mm-hmm. Another hot take before we even before we leave LeBron James. Um, and I probably know you're gonna probably you know go back to your 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 firepower which is the injuries as well too but is he still a top five player i mean we got a lot of talented players who are just bucket getters right now you can mm-hmm. you know not Kyrie, uh kd james harden Jokic, bead steph you can argue those like there's, there's interchangeable <laughs> players yeah, that you can sure. argue are, who are top five do you think lebron is still a top five player um absolutely um I think when you consider what he does, I think only a few players in the NBA does what LeBron does. And I I mean, I'm thinking like Luka Doncic, 
James Harden, who can manipulate the game of basketball with their passing and creativity with um, their ability to score from passing and setting other players up. Now, if you're talking about the most dominant players, I don't think LeBron is probably the most dominant at this stage in his career because the physical aspects are diminishing due to age. But in terms of thinking the game, understanding the game at such a high level, I think that's where his edge is going to be. And I still think like a healthy LeBron is going like a healthy LeBron is a hard LeBron to beat <laughs> four times. Like I know everybody's got their whole narrative thing after this, but remember they won two straight games against this Phoenix team. Like, like people's out there saying we about to smoke that Devin Booker pack last week. <laughs> like that's what they were saying. So it's interesting how people and their narratives change like daily. So I don't know. I think like, again, I think LeBron and the Lakers team are going to come back revamped, re-energized, refocused. And then next year people are probably going to say, yo, I've never seen somebody at 37 this great. You know, that's what they do. Nah, I, I agree with you with that. I just want to pick your brain a little bit as well, too. Um, before we move on, man, you named the players. Mm. You got Andre Drummond in the buyout. Yeah. You signed Kuzma. You had a signing trade for Dennis Schroeder. Mm. You know, they, they got Wesley Matthews. They got Marcus You On paper, they got Montrose Harrell reigning six men of the year. Obviously, Jordan Clarkson just won this one. But last year's reigning, you know, six men of the year as well, too. So there were so many you know, tweaks to their roster. And you can argue that on paper, they got better, at least from an offensive standpoint as well, too. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, role players didn't necessarily help out LeBron um, as well, too. And that's something that we can also talk about. Um, but it seems like to me, even every year that LeBron's even been on the Lakers, they were always like one of the worst three-point shooting teams. Um, and if you look at his formula for success when he's won, excluding this past year, when he was in Miami, even Cleveland to an extent, and then the second go around with Cleveland, he's always had shooters around him every single time, kind of like how Luka is, kind of like how Giannis team is built. Do you think that, I mean, you got to shake up the roster. Obviously, the only untouchables are probably LeBron and AD, right? Yeah. Do you think that Rob Palenka has his work cut out for him, and do you think he can basically revamp this team to – you know, be more of a today's era team because they're kind of an old school team. They play inside yeah. out when you think about it. But do you think that they can revamp this team and essentially get them to where they need to be? Because the West is only getting better. You mm -hmm. see what Jokic's doing right now. And Murray's not there. Michael Porter Jr. is emerging, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Utah ain't going nowhere. Kawhi is more likely probably going to resign with the Clippers. Phoenix is going to come up right now. So there's so many teams um, right now who, you know, have adapted to that post Golden State Warriors style of play. Uh, but, you know, do you think that Rob Palenka can pull it off? I mean, I, I just don't know who are assets on the Lakers right now, given how bad they played <laughs> move things around. Um, I think Rob Palenka and the Lakers got have their work cut out for them. There's three ways you get better in the offseason. Free agency, draft, and and what else, right? signing players i guess right that would be considered free agency i think they have to look at who's out there who's available do you want to sign dennis schroeder he turned down a four-year 84 million dollar contract Damn, do you want to he's probably going to be asking for 100 million 
Um, do you want to pay him that? That's one thing you have to consider. The second thing is, what are you going to do with Montrez Harrell, right? Are you going to accept his team option? Like, what are you going to do with that? You have players who kind of built that championship DNA, but without, you have to look at it like LeBron is getting older. Anthony Davis had histories with injuries. If they go down, do I have a team that can still compete at a high level? What the sun showed us is that, no, we don't. So we have to, we have to find sharp shooters. Like we can't shoot that poorly from the three. What are we going to do with Kyle Kuzma? He's still under contract. Are we going to, his, his value is probably low because of his performance. So how are we going to a try to find more talented players at his position who can defend and create shots? Cause he was supposed to be like a player that came off the bench, added spark, added defense, but his performance didn't match that, like what they wanted from him. And that may be due, due to the fact that they had different roles for Kyle Kuzma, right? Um, so I think Rob Palenka is like, yo, LeBron and AD are about winning championships. The Lakers are about winning championship. We don't really have that much cap space. So how are we going to create a team that's going to be formidable to really compete against the nuke, the young killers that's coming out in the league? Because Luca coming back, the Warriors are coming back, oh, and you yeah, you forgot like <laughs> you already have to deal with somebody who finished top three MVP and Steph Curry, who's a basketball sniper, and now you have another Clay Thompson, and you have those players on those teams who are young but understand that system a year later. So now it's like, and LeBron going to be thirty seven years next year. So like. He he want to he probably want to hit for his legacy. I, I don't really like talking about legacy because it's something that's always evolving. But his legacy is going to be how does he go out? How does he leave the game? That is part of his legacy. Um, and again, to me, he's one of the greatest that ever played. But that's something that people will talk about. And it's like Rob Palenka has his work cut out for him too, because when you a Laker, they expect you to be at this level all the time. Like that shit, like finishing in the seven eight playoff shit. That ain't like that ain't laker basketball to a lot of people you saw snoop dogg posting memes like we we don't understand that so it's gonna be interesting to see what he does yeah for sure for sure for sure moving on from that um you know another person that you know we're gonna have to talk about um, as well too is damian lillard so mm. you know that portland versus nuggets series uh lived up to the hype for sure. Um, obviously, all of us wanted to see, you know, a forcing a game seven. But I think at game five, when when he went bananas, went crazy, <laughs> went crazy for 55 Dollar. points, 12 threes. And they went to what? Double OT? Double OT. He single-handedly, he single-handedly just. Single-handedly willed his team. Yeah. Uh, and, and he put them in position to do well. Um, and you just had bonehead decisions after bonehead yeah. decisions um, as well, too. Now, I think I predicted Portland in seven, and I think mm. Portland in six. And one of the main reasons why we predicted that was because of their revamped roster and the mm. fact that Murray was a key yeah. aspect. Yeah. I thought that Murray was going to basically essentially be that closer in a crunch time situation. I just felt like Portland would have the edge as well, too. Mm -hmm. But it seems like to me, if y'all don't think Jokic has arrived, if y'all don't think Jokic is the MVP, then... <laughs> Now yeah, yeah. time to you know start looking at that as well too. So some key things I want to point out. Um, 
Damian Lillard played great, averaged 34 points, 10 assists, four rebounds, shot 45% from three, 94% from the free throw line, and and he played out of his mind. Nikola Jokic MVP, 33, 11, and seven. No, 30, no, 33, yeah, 33, 11, and five. Um, Killer. Shot 43% from three, 92% from the free throw line, and shot 53% from the field. And our young emerging star, Michael Porter Jr., who I'm very high on, played pretty damn good. Um, you know, averaged 26 the last two games to help close him out. But throughout the series, averaged 19 points, seven rebounds as well, too, and shot 90% from the three. I mean, 90% from the free throw line, 40%, 42% from the three-point line. Um, as well, too. So shout out to Denver as well. But more importantly, Damian Lillard, man, um, he's just a guy who I think he's made eight straight playoff appearances, only went to the conference finals once. Once he got to the conference finals, obviously, KD went down and he and they got swept from from the Golden State Warriors as well, too. Um, and going into every year, I thought this was the year that they could, you know, depending on how seedings went and whatnot, obviously the Lakers are unhealthy and that would have been the team, the, the winner of Lakers and Phoenix would have been the, the team that they'd be playing. So I thought with, you know, the addition of Robert Covington and getting Derrick Jones Jr. and trained to get, um, what's the guy's name from uh, from Toronto? Uh, what's, uh, what's the guard's Nor- name? Norman Powell. Norman Powell. I thought with that mixed with the veteran presence that, they were poised to make a deep playoff run. Um, like I said, with, with the addition of Murray going down, um, I thought that was really going to propel them to to at least get to the second round as well, too. But it just seems like time and time and time again, you know, he always comes up short. And, and now it's just like, I don't even know what Portland can do moving forward. You know, they only, the only, I, the only trade bet, I mean, the trade bet I see is a signing trade with Norman Powell. He's going to be, I think, an unrestricted free agent. So you have to get him to agree to that. CJ McCollum, um, although he's a very great player, he's kind of undersized as well, too, and that kind of also takes away from their defense. Um, and then also you got to look at Nurk as well, too. You know, he's a, he's a walking bucket, but he's kind of like an Andes Cantor who he's full on the defensive end as well, too. So I just think with the pieces that he has right now, you're either going to have to shake up that, that, that roster, kind of like how the Lakers are right now, um, but it's kind of hard to bring in a, a, a player that's on it. Cause honestly speaking, all these teams that are in the mix right now, they have either two all-star caliber players with them or another superstar caliber player to play alongside them for the most part as well too. So multiple all-stars or another superstar with them with that dynamic duo. We say that him and CJ are one of the best dynamic duos or backcourts or whatever you want to call it. But I just feel like it ain't enough no more. And I know with Dame, you know, he's been preaching loyalty, 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 loyalty. He's very, he's been very adamant about how he wants to essentially retire as a Blazer, win a championship with a Blazer, have the parade over there and whatnot as well too, because it's a city that, you know, took a gamble on him um, and showed him nothing but, you know, the most love as well too. But at what point, you know, because to me, it seems like, you know, he wants to do it on his terms, obviously. But at what point, you know, if you want to be considered one of the greats as well, too, they kind of only remember you not only based off your personal success, but what have you done as, done as a team? What has he done as a leader? Have you won championships as well, too? So right after, you know, he he, he had his departure and, and took the L and, 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 you know, spoke with the media and, and whatnot as well, too. He posted on Instagram, um, obviously, his fit and paying respect to Njokic, who's a dog, by the way. He said... And I quote from Nipsey Hussle, 
how long should I stay dedicated? How long to opportunity meets preparation? Now, some people took that and said, oh, if y'all ain't making moves, he going to demand a trade. Um, and some people took it as, you know, the grind just don't stop. You know, every new every year is a new opportunity to get better. Um, for personnel, it kind of changes well, too. But when opportunity needs preparation, then I'm going to be ready as well, too. Only the strong survive. So with Damian Lillard, you know, what do you think it's going to be? Because he's kind of locked in. Um, mm-hmm. He just signed that extension as well, too. So I think he has an extra four years. So he won't even be a free agent until 2023. So realistically, he's going to have to do what Harden wants to do if he wants to get out as well, too. But with Dame, is it time to have a serious talk with management to see how they can get better? I mean, they've been trying every year. Or is it just time like, yo, I'm, what, 29 years old, about to be 30? No, I'm 30 years old, about to be 31. Like, I'm in my prime. Like, I'm tired of trying. And every year it seems like he's always not himself, but his 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 stars are – not stars. His his running mates are battling injuries, and he's mm-hmm. working as well, too. So by the time the playoffs hit, like you see with game six, he ain't have, he ain't have his legs with him no more. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all that, man? No, I like Dame. He one of the realest in our league. In our, and when I say our league, the NBA um, is a community of fans and players. Um, I think, I think first management and Dame are going to have to sit down and be like, "Yo, what are we playing for? Are we playing for championships? Or are we just playing to compete?" Right, and if so. You know, we've been one of the worst defensive teams for the last several years. Now, maybe this is a coaching thing as well. Maybe they're going to have to reevaluate and probably try to go and get a new coach. Um, Because like you said, Dane was gassing. Like after his game five performance, what do you what do you expect from any other player? (laughs) Like who poured their soul on the court and literally your teammates ain't give you nothing. So like some of the rumors I've heard is, you know, they might go after a cat you know, from the Timberwolves, that might be a player that they try to go out and sign. But realistically, Dame is under contract for the next several years. Um, he's been super loyal to that organization. They don't really have to do anything. He can be mad at all he wants. They don't really, they don't really care, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it this offseason. Like, are you going to part ways? Are you going to keep CJ? Are you going to sign some of your free agents back? Like you would think with the addition of those key defensive players that you mentioned, they would be a better defensive team. So what's the issue, right? Why can't we stop anybody in crunch time? Granted, Joker is a phenomenal, phenomenal NBA player. But like with no Jamal Murray, and I think uh, Denver's starting point guard, got hurt as well another I mean they're starting shooting yard got hurt as well you still letting them score 115 plus a game so like and they're in uh Compazzo who's like five nine five ten like is in like why can't we stop people like what's going on and why is Damian Lillard scoring 12 points in overtime team we got four other teammates like what's going on and I think for Dame it's like you reach a point in your career in any profession, like you feel like you're doing a lot and you feel like the organization isn't really giving you what you need to really advance. So you got to start thinking like, yo, is James Harden right? Or was he wrong? Like, I didn't see, 
all the pictures I see of James Harden now, he just smiling. <laughs> like you, you got Katie and Kyrie. It's whatever. I think, you know, they might go over there and team up with the Lakers if that was possible. Like, yo, man, fuck all this. I'm about to play with Brian. <laughs> but I think him and the management, that's gonna be that's gonna be a storyline I want everyone to pay attention to. Because if they don't make no moves, you're gonna start seeing, in my opinion, a different Dame Lillard in terms of his relationship with the ownership. I don't want it to come to that because they've been, you know, very on the outside looking in. It's been like a very mutual respect thing between the two. But he's a player that wants to win and bring a championship to the organization that drafted him. And you mentioned like they couldn't beat the Warriors without KD. They can't beat Denver without Jamal Murray. Like what? So like, yo, what? Like, what am I doing? Like. We can't be nobody and their their significant star is out. That to me, that's like we gotta rethink this whole thing. Yeah, for sure. So we're gonna continue to follow that as well, too. For sure. I just want I just want my man my man's to get a chip, man. Man, we are we are today, even if he don't get a chip, honestly, like we know what he about. Everybody sure. from this generation should know what he about as well, too. Sure. Um now let's get into the playoff previews as well, too. Um so I want to start off hot, man. Nets versus Bucks. So everyone's calling this essentially the, the, the NBA Finals as well, yeah. too, because we believe whoever wins this series is going to go on to beat the winner of the Philadelphia 76ers and Hawks matchup and get to the Finals and win as well, too. Um, a lot of high power, bro. I mean, you got city of, you got you got the city of Brooklyn. They got their their three-headed snake, three-headed monster, whatever you want to call it. Uh, James Harden, you got Kyrie Irving, you got Kevin Durant, who are more hungry than ever. Then you've got Giannis um, to go along with the perfect pairing of Drew Holiday and, and also to go up with Chris Middleton as well, too. So you got one team who's arguably the most uh, offensively skilled team of all time from talent perspective. And then you got another team that's they, they've been under the radar. You know, they've they've achieved a certain level of success, but always come up short. But they got a MV, two-time, uh, you know, MVP and, and defensive player of the year with, you know, two two other co-stars to go along with them as well, too. So you for can sure, say for sure. uh, that it's going to be a good matchup. But we talked off air through text or group messages as well, too. But I want you to tell the public, um, you know, what are your expectations for the series and who you got winning and why? And it's like you said, man, this is one of those ones. Like, this is where all the basketball fans are like, yo, this is one of them shits we're going to tell our kids, right? That's how they hyping it up. And I think um, I think I I got the Bucks winning just because I feel like they play more defense. And where they excel at is Brooklyn's biggest weakness. I feel like they have more pieces that can that can that can like go saying the word guard and you talk about James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like it's laughable, but I got, I feel like they have more players that match up a little bit better with those players. Um, vice versa is, it's not as the same. Um, I feel like um, it's going to be nothing less than sensational. I mean, James Harden, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, they going, they going to put their superpowers to the test. This is what we want to see. And I think, I think Giannis, this entire year, he's been sitting back. I think that I think the Miami beating Miami, my team, was like that, that click on his head, like job not finished yet. 
we just beat the team. We just swept the team that beat us. And we were supposed to beat them last year. We just swept that. And, you know, not really celebrating. Like, they they look like they locked in. Like, the championship is for the taking. And with Brooklyn, I think one of the major concerns that are that's going to come up is, like, their superstars only play, you know, less than 15 games together. When shit get tight, you you talked about LeBron's body language in the clutch. I want like we haven't seen their body language in the clutch when shit doesn't go well because they've been able to win and play so well throughout the season. But what's gonna happen when they down five with two minutes left and one of their superstars doesn't touch the basketball or a bad read from one of the players or a defensive collapse? How are they gonna respond in those situations? They didn't really have time to build that team chemistry on the court. So that's going to be like, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. And will their role players be able to play at a high level with another team that's been together, has their playoff tested and they know, and they, and they have a high, they have high IQ basketball players and they got fans in the arena. It's different than a bubble. Like you got real fans. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to play. Kevin Kyrie, and um, James, any one of them game, the motherfuckers can give you 50. That's the thing. Any like, so if you two of them off, it's one of them gonna go crazy. That's the thing you have to worry about with the Nets. And I'm, it's gonna be interesting to see how who who defends who. I feel like you gotta try to slow down James Harden and not let him get his groove. But he's so talented, he can get Drew Holiday in foul trouble where. Drew Holiday not even on the court no more. Like that's so it's going to be interesting. The type of chess it's going to be a chess match. You know, whoever has the better chess strategy may win. I have the Bucks winning in six or seven. But then my fucks and look and Brooklyn could just go crazy and beat these niggas in four games. Like, so you never really know. I just think that Giannis is Giannis is Giannis, man. He one of them cheat codes. He really is. So it's going to be interesting to see. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, my brother always only uses the Bucks on 2K, so that's probably <laughs> vote for him as well, too. Sure. sure. Um, I mean, honestly, this is one of the series where I'm just going to have to sit back and watch. Right. Fair. Um, Fair. Literally see what adjustments get made from game in to game out as well, too. So I'm excited to see from a coaching standpoint what is – Coach Bud gonna do, but more importantly, what is Steve Nash gonna do as well? Yeah, too? but Mike Mike D'Antoni coaching too. He's coaching too as well. He's definitely coaching too as well too. But I know we have the 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 blueprint where we where we always say that defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the year when things kind of get reverse engineered and we and we kind of say offense wins, offense <laughs> wins as well too. Like I say, you got three of the best, arguably the best of our generation for yeah. sure. 20 years scores for um, sure all sharing the floor at the same time as well too it's gonna be tough man because like you said one thing that the butts can lean on is their identity uh which is grit and grind defense getting out of transition Giannis being dominant open up the floor for everybody as well too they've been shooting lights out 
Um, I love the key additions that they have with my old spur, Brent Forbes. Um, I love the addition of P.J. Tucker trading for him as well, too. Um, I also love the addition of Drew Holiday, who's finally found, you know, his niche in there as well, too. Chris Milton, what we've been arguing as well, too. Giannis can take you to the promised land, but who's going to close for you? I think Chris Milton's earned that right and being close. I mean, he hit a game winning game one against Miami as well, too. I went back and forth going to OT. Um, and then also, you know, you got Bobby Portis, who's doing the dirty work. And <laughs> everyone just seems to be playing very well. Like you said, looking at Giannis' eyes, like listening to him, listening to him speak after every game. Like you said, he has that mindset. Like, I've I've been MVP. Yeah. My numbers show, showcase how talented I am. I won defensive player of the year. But I've come up short in the Eastern Conference Finals. I was up two games to zero, lost four straight, come back next year, get the number one seed again, and basically get Jim Sweep, get, also get hurt as well, too. So, like you said, job's not done for him, so I expect him to be hungry. Um, and what's crazy is, like, you can only lean on footage but for so long, right? Game footage. They play each other three times this year. Yeah. The Bucks won, um, I think, the last two games, but the Bucks won two out of three games as well, too. Giannis actually went stupid looking like Will Chamberlain averaged 40 against him as well. Too. So it's tough because in my head, I know who I, I have in my head who, who going to win, but maybe I'll, by me like talking out loud, I might change my opinion. But I'm just looking at it from a defensive standpoint. If Brooklyn, if Brooklyn, you know, if Tatum can give you one game, then I think Giannis can at least, with his supporting cast, give you a minimum of three games as well, too, right? Crazy, crazy. Who's going to stop Giannis, realistically speaking? Are they going to play zone? I don't know if they're going to play zone. Miami Heat tried to do zone, but what happened? They got too many snipes. Yeah, yeah. Too many snipes. Snipe, too many snipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're probably going to have to do man. And not only playing man, you're probably going to have to sag off of Giannis, which Steve Nash tried to do, and just force him to beat him. But if Giannis is feeling himself and, you know, just knocking down at least 35% of his threes, then you're going to have to play up on him. And what are you going to do when you play up on him? You're going to blow right past him as well, too. So KD has his work cut out for him. Yeah, sure. Um, Jeff Green has that Achilles problem. He's going to be someone who's a Swiss Army knife who I think is going to be very key. So how are you going to keep Giannis away from the basket? Are we going to see DeAndre Jordan get a little bit more minutes uh, in, in spurts? Because I don't think Claxton's ready for that. Blake Griffin is still serviceable, but he can't stay in front of Giannis as well, too. So what are you going to do? Are you going to try to build a wall on Giannis and force his role players to basically beat him? Um, like, what do you do? I, I just don't know from that standpoint as well, too. So it's going to come down to execution. It's going to be tough. Day, at the end of the day, I just feel like KD, Kyrie, Harden, even though they play, like you said, under 15 games as well, too, like, they're just on another level as well, too. It's going to be one of those things where you just have to get stops and spurts, which I think they can. Um, but I think it's going to go seven games, and I think I think the Nets are going to find a way to win as well, too. But like I said, this is going to be the true test for them um, to see if they can battle adversity as well, too, because I got the Bucks in rhythm. I got the Bucks winning game one tomorrow night, which is damn. At least I think they're going to set the tone, and we're going to see, oh, and we lost home court. All right, let's 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 get our shit together as well too. But like I said, they don't got that much tape to lean on. Yeah. So the reason the only reason why I really have the Nets winning in seven games is because of James Harden. Like you said early on the podcast, and like I'm talking about, there's just certain le- there's certain levels to 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 you know to just greatness. 
And there's three players, like we said, that come to mind on who can literally dictate the pace of the game and still give you buckets. Literally, possession by possession, James Harden, Luka Doncic, and LeBron James. If Trey Young can keep playing, yeah, Trey Young, yeah, he's gonna be up there as well too. Maybe Lamelo Ball in the future. I don't know yet, but those are the three as well too. You really can't prepare for that as well too. So in my mind, I'm like, yo, James Harden is not only gonna get his teammates involved, but he's gonna get to the free throw line as well too. So they're gonna be basically be able to play at their pace. And when these other players go out, because only what they do is they'll have James Harden come out first. So we can run with the second unit as well too. So they're always gonna get looks. Yeah. I see like that that Luca effect as well too. So I don't really think they miss a step offensively. And even if they go down, I think they have an ability to come back as well too. So I'm thinking who gonna guard Harden? Mm. PJ Tucker. It might. Holiday. I don't know. Divincenzo's out as well too. Huge blow. Who's gonna guard who? I think. You, I think the best shot for the Bucks is to put Drew on Harden and basically essentially force Harden to have the ball out of his hands and let a person like Kyrie and KD beat you because they're going to get their buckets regardless. But if you can disengage Harden and not let him get the Joe Harris's of the world, open shots, Landry Shamans of the world, open shots, you know, a cut to the basket from, from Bruce Brown or Claxton and, and DeAndre Jordan and, and, and Blake Griffin in lives, I think you have a chance. But Overall, I just think that they're going to be too overwhelmed. Um, and I got the Nets winning in seven as well, too. Yeah. So, as much as I love the Bucks, I, I'm not going to be mad either way. Same, same, same. Because I, I rock with Giannis, and I rock with the jiggy-ass big three as well, too. So, same. whoever wins, that's fine with me. Um, but at the end of the day, I just think the Nets – like, this is house money. Like, th- this is what you gutted your roster for to get these guys. So, um, it's a failure if you don't win the championship this year. It's, it's championship. Mm. I mean, it's championship or bust for every team. But for this team, it's championship or bust for real. For yeah. I got, I, got, I got the Nets in seven. Um, but it's going to be a dog fight where it may go back and forth every game. At most, the team wins two games. But. It's gonna be interesting, man. So I'm excited to see what Giannis. What Giannis it's, gonna gonna it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, man. But it's gonna be tough. Like I said, it's gonna be key. Is Brent Forbes gonna continue to shoot lots lights out? And then also, is Jeff Green gonna be able to come back? DiVincenzo, we already know he he's hurt as well too. Uh, I think they said he he had a plantar fasciitis or something like that. I, I believe something. Yeah, like that. he's he's done for the season. Oh no, I, I think. A tendon injury. So yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, but, you know, uh, next man up mentality, that's what we've been preaching the past season. So this is what this is what the moment's for. So um, going to be a great series. Moving on from that, we got the Atlanta Hawks, who are the number five seed going up against the 76ers as well, too. Now, they played three times, um, January 11th, the 28th and 30th. Shout out to Warren. Um, Atlanta won. 112 to 94, and then Philadelphia won the last two games by damn near 30 points. Mm-hmm. As well, too. Um, so obviously, Trey Young has kind of made a name for himself. He's probably going to be the new villain of New York uh, in the garden as well, too. Shout out to him. Shout out to Nate McMillan and, and that whole team just getting everything ready to roll as well. Um, my whole thing is, like we said last, last podcast episode, this is set up for Philadelphia to get a not, I mean, 
this is set up for Philadelphia to cakewalk to to to, the, to at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, they took care of business in five games with with the with the Wizards, and now they got a, a young Atlanta Hawks team who has tasted some playoff success. Obviously, we'll we'll talk about the you know the 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 Knicks on another day as well too. But the Knicks just didn't necessarily have the personnel to match their scoring, um, and and we kind of also learned that Julius Randle isn't the number one option as of right now. But honestly. If Embiid can play, then I think it's a gentleman sweep. If Embiid can't play, <laughs> it's going to take them about seven games to beat the Hawks as well, too. Um, but it's going to be tough because Joel Embiid has a, a small meniscus tear. Yeah. And you know with him, he's a little injury prone as well, too. I mean, he sat out, what, his first two seasons, I believe, uh-huh. of his back and his foot and his knee. Um, what Joel Embiid are, are we going to expect <laughs> And is Joel and B gonna are they gonna be like, all right, well let's let's sit you out game one, see if we can win since we can have home court. Oh, we lose game one. Maybe now it's time to bring you back in for game two. I'm a little worried about that as well. Um, but Ben Simmons is probably gonna be guarding Trey Young. So all that shit that Trey Young be doing, he gonna get his numbers, but it's gonna be very inefficient. I just feel like Ben Simmons is, is that's what he's here for to shut down and make him work as well, too. But um, I think with the talent that they have, I really don't see Capella guarding Joel Embiid like that. Um, and then we got Tobias Harris and we got Ben Simmons leading the charge and generating, you know, three-point shots for his team. I just feel like Philly is a better team. Um, I like the Hawks. Like I said, I, can th- I think they can win one game. If there's no Embiid, they can go seven games. But I think it's just a bad matchup in general as well, too. So. Um, there's not that much thought to go into it. What, what about you? What, who you got winning and why? Um, no Embiid. I think the Hawks can upset them. Um, with Embiid, I think the Hawks, I mean, the Philly can win in at most six games. Um, it's going to be interesting, though. Like, for Philly, do you want to not play Joe Embiid the first game, give him extra time to rest, and see what Ben, a ben Simmons Philly-led team can do against the Hawks? Or do you want to bring him back and make sure that, you know what I'm saying, we win this game one for sure? So it's going to be interesting. I think the Hawks' confidence is skyrocketing, and people are still unsure about Ben Simmons. Can he be the guy on a championship team, even though he can't shoot the basketball? Like, that's going to be playing. That's going to be the narrative behind the scene. And I think Philly can still play outstanding defense, but your best player, like, can we put the ball in our best player's hand down the stretch, even though he's a poor free throw shooter, right? Are things that Philly is going to have to deal with strategically, like how are we going to do this if Joe Embiid doesn't play? But with that being said, I think Philly without Joe Embiid has the same talent type level to compete with the Hawks. It's just that Embiid is one of them ones, right? Like, he give you 30 and 14 rebounds. Like that's, those are things you just can't account for. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think, I think Philly's going to win the series, but it's all dependent on if Embiid is healthy and can play. Yeah. And another thing is we, we kind of have a blueprint, the hack a shack, um, hack or whoever, who's a bad free throw. Yeah. So if they're close games, it's going to be tough. I, I won't be surprised if, if, if Nate McMillan takes a book, um, takes a play out of the book of, of Scott of Scott Brooks, mm-hmm. spouse him, um, especially if there's no Joel B because 
I believe the Hawks are a way better defensive team than the um, Washington Wizards. And I think with, with Trey Young, even though it's, it's going to be hard for him, he's going to get his favorable matchups. Probably going to get a lot of switches to get Seth Curry on him as well, too, or even like a Danny Green to an extent or Tobias. But um, I think Trey Young will have the ability to control the pace of the game and at least keep them in position for it to be a close game. Um, and he has enough shooting where they can go toe for toe. Um, but Capella, are you going to be a man? Or are you going to be a little kid? You mm-hmm. know what I'm so that that's going to be something to look out for as well, too. But if they can keep it close, I'm I'm hacking Ben Simmons all the time. You're going to beat me. You're going to have to beat me to get where I <laughs> I anticipate that Joel B should be good to go. Um, I've never really heard of someone playing on a partially torn meniscus before, so that's kind of concerning. Given it's, a, it's a small tear, that's what they're saying. I mean, Doc well, can say one thing. Yeah, for sure. Said, it's one of those things where we're just going to have to watch game by game. So I have a mindset that Embiid at most will just miss game one. And he will play the rest of the series, but Embiid playing, gentlemen sweep. Embiid don't Damn. play, Philly in seven. But Damn, that that's my opinion right there as well. Another thing I want to you know kind of talk about as well too. Um, you know, we talked about the the soon to be MVP and Nikola Jokic is is going to go up oh. Devin Booker and the and the Red Hot Suns as well too. Going to be a great series. Tell me your thoughts on that series. What are the keys to winning and um, who you got winning? Uh, the key to winning for Phoenix is Chris Paul's health. Um, and then will DeAndre Ayton be able to play like he played against the Lakers? And what type of production we're going to get from Phoenix's role player? I think if those things are high and <clears throat> Chris Paul is healthy, I think they have a real chance of beating Denver because we already know what Devin Booker is going to get, right? He's an assassin. He's a straight killer. But if Chris Paul isn't healthy and DeAndre Ayton doesn't play as well as he plays for the Lakers, I think they have no chance in beating this different Nuggets team. The key to success for Denver is Joker is going to have to be Joker. <laughs> like He's proved that all year. He's going to have to give you 30 with 10 assists and 10 rebounds type performances. And he's able to do that. And what type of Michael Porter are we going to get? This kid, he's a superstar. Like he's, he's, he's an emerging superstar in this league. And he's so young. He's 6'10", can shoot the Tracy. Like, I don't know what. Is he going to, is he going to be able to play at that high level? And then it's the bench. It's the it's the bench for Denver. Are they going to be able to um, have that type of production that they had against the Portland Trailblazer? And is Austin Rivers going to perform in the second round? So it's going to be interesting. Phoenix has a very good defense. Um, I know Coach. Shout out to Coach Monty. He probably going to. He's probably has some schemes that he's probably going to play against Denver. But let's see. I think Denver can win this series without Jamal Murray and without their star and shooting. That's how, that's how nice Joker is. Like he's that nice. Um, but it's going to be interesting. We're going to see. I got Denver. I got Denver winning in um, six. Wow. Your favorite number six today. huh? Yeah. Crazy. For sure. Um, man, it's one of the series where I don't know, right. You got one of the best offenses, um, at least in the postseason at number four, Denver averaging 120.8, but that's, you know, contributed to the terrible defense that Portland Trailblazers play. Then you have one of the best defensive teams 
all year long, been top five uh, Phoenix Suns who have been holding opponents to in the postseason, at least the Lakers, to 97.5 points as well, too. Um, to, so to further expand on that as well, let's let's take a look at that. Um, it's going to be crazy. So for the series, uh, at least in the regular season, let me pull up these stats right here. I think it's at the, the top right here. Hold up real quick. Suns Nuggets. Shout out to Warren once again. All Shout right, out, so, Warren. Yeah. Lagging a little bit. Okay. Um, season series. So season series, they played each other. Let me see. That's Utah Dallas. Where is the... There we go. They played each other three times this year. Uh, first game, Phoenix won by three. 106-103. Second game, Phoenix won 130-126. And then third game, these are all with Murray, by the way. Mm. Denver won 120-112 in overtime as well, too. Um, it seems like Jokic put up his numbers, uh, but I feel like it's crazy because, like you said, with the with the Bucks and that series, defense is going to come down to it as well. Mm-hmm. I think that that series with Portland and Denver could have won either way, but like I said, Damian Lillard's teammates kind of let him down, and they don't have a defensive identity. They don't even have an identity for real. It's Dame or Bus. Damn. But the person I'm going to look out for is Chris Paul. I think they play. I wanted to say they play Sunday or Monday. I can't. I think Monday. Monday. Hopefully they play Monday, so that'll give Chris Paul even more time as well too. But, um, I got Phoenix. Like I love. I think Jokic can beat them. Definitely beat them without it. But I think, just from a defensive standpoint and the way that the Suns move the basketball as well too, I don't think no one's gonna be able to to stop Booker. Um, I mean, you're probably gonna what. Who you gonna put on Booker? I don't know who you really gonna put on Booker. I don't know who's gonna stop him as well too. I just think they they just have I, I and I Danny from the defensive standpoint and they move the ball beautifully as well too. So it's gonna come down to can you get timely stops and can Chris Paul beat All Star level Chris Paul as well too with this X amount of rest as well or at least play decoy to an extent as well too. Um, Michael Porter Jr. You're probably gonna have to put some matching with physicality because he's a big dude as well, but I'm not leaving him open. <laughs> I'm forcing him to beat me off the dribble, which he really doesn't. His handles kind of says as well too. So Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges, all of them have their work cut out for him as well too. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those things where the, the Denver's role players uh, are going to not play as well um, due to the defensive intensity as well, too. Because like you said, with Portland, there's wide open shots every now and then. So Yogi's going to put up his numbers, but I, I, I would hope that DeAndre Ayton is a, a better defensive matchup as opposed to Nurk and, and, and his Cantor, or I think they had Robert Covington and Mello on him at some times, too. So I see it going both ways, but I think it's going to be one of those things where home court just prevails um two they're gonna the sons are gonna win first two nuggets win latin next two then one 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 so damn i i got the sons winning the seven and uh booker just being on that mama mentality <laughs> and the team just playing great defense at the end of the day so uh, like i said it's gonna be a huge thing because i'm gonna have to wait to see what it looks like with chris paul's shoulder mm-hmm. um 
But I think this is a this is I think this is the Suns' year where they just make a deep playoff run and and they've arrived. And I think we're actually going to see where Jamal Murray's presence um, is going to be felt. But then again, Joker been. <laughs> It don't matter who you play. Yeah, he's <laughs> cold. Yeah, he's cold. I mean, it, it could go either way, man. But I, I'm really leaning on that defense as well, too, because the Suns can score the best of them. Um, and they also strap as well, too. So I got the Suns just because they're more of a well-balanced team as opposed to the Denver Trail, Denver Trail, I mean, Portland Trailblazers as well, too. Now, obviously, in less than an hour and a half, we got a game six with Dallas versus Clippers as well, too. Um and obviously, last time we you know we had the the two scenarios, right? What if this team wins, or what if that team wins, and what are the matches going to look like as well, too? I'm a Clippers fan. You already know with the two home games as well, too. I feel like I'm starting to become bad luck. Whenever <laughs> I go to a Clippers game, they lose. Um, but let's let's do two different scenarios for the viewers, just in case. And Warren obviously is going to chop this out as well. Let's say Dallas wins tonight, which I anticipate them winning. I don't see them. I don't see. I, I, wow. My, my heart, my heart. I want the Clippers to win, obviously. Wow. Luca just can't be stopped, and we still haven't proved that we can handle high leverage games in the crunch time as well, too. So, I think it's gonna be one of those games where they just try to get them out the way, kind of like how Phoenix did. Mm-hmm. And will they be able to succumb to that and 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 just have that firepower? I don't know. Um. But I got Mavs winning. And wow. Let's say that the Mavs play Utah. So we're going to do Mavs scenario and then we're going to do a Clippers scenario. Let's say Mavs play Utah. Who do you got winning and why? Utah. <laughs> I think I think Utah just they move the ball so well. They have great defense. Like Rudy Gobert can move his feet. So if Luka runs the high screen and roll, like uh, Rudy Gobert can go out there and switch like and make it difficult for Luca and 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 Utah has great defenders they're smart there's like and when when you're playing a player like Luka Doncic you have to be smart as well <laughs> you know what I'm saying like if you on some like some fuck shit he's going to te- he's going to tear you apart and one of the things i like about that Utah team is how fundamentally sound they are on the defensive end and offensive end. So if you like they don't play ISO basketball, they're gonna be moving the ball. That's gonna make Luca work. He's gonna have to be on high alert when he's playing defense. Then on on um then when he's on offense, they're gonna make you work offensively because you gotta think you gotta think they're probably gonna move, try to move Rudy Gobert away from the basket, right? But you gotta think. They're gonna make you work defensively. They're gonna challenge you. They're gonna they're gonna play hard, and they got snipers too. And Donovan Mitchell, if he gets on a switch with Luca, like they have they have so they have a player like Donovan Mitchell who can attack high screen and rolls as well. And then the second unit can be led by Mike Conley, who can also maintain that level of production coming off the bench. So now you got a smart team, a very disciplined team. And a great defender in Rudy Gobert, who might win Defensive Player of the Year this year. Like, that's what you need to beat Luke. That's how great Luca is. Like, you need those type of high quality, high IQ basketball players. So, I think if Utah does that, they win. For the Mavs, I think in order for them to win, they're gonna have to do what they're doing against the Clipper. 
these motherfuckers mm-hmm. gonna have to be on green. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. gonna be have to be Ray Allen again. Like the snipers have to be out, like in order to beat this Utah. And and he can and Luca has to be Luca sensation. And Luca can do that. Like he went, he he can literally average 30 in a series. Like it's nothing. Like, <laughs> like he's that cold. Like that's how cold he is. Like he's he's a special talent. He's a special player. So he can average 30 and 10 like it's nothing. Like it and and come back and smile at the end of the game like he ain't breaking sweat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the type of player he is. Um so I see why I see why they call this motherfucker the modern day Larry Bird. Yeah, like he, he basically tell you gonna bust your ass. Yeah, you yeah, gonna bust your ass and back it up as well. Too. He's cold. And like I said, seeing him play live, bro. I've seen LeBron play live. I've seen Kawhi, mm. PG. I've seen Bradley Beal, John Wall, um, Drew Holiday, the big three with the Spurs, D-Wade. All these cats play. Kyle Lowry, Pascal, Fred Wimpley, all them dudes play. Mm-hmm. Kawhi on his own level. Yeah. LeBron on his own level. Luka on his own in his own solar system. <laughs> He's dope. It's just ridiculous seeing this guy play. Like, it's demoralizing. Mm. It's actually demoralizing. And he he's literally unguardable. Oh, yeah. He's unguardable. You would think with someone who, for the regular season, has been shooting 33% from three. And he's shooting over 40%, I believe, in this series. Um, he's not the most athletic. He's mm-hmm. not necessarily the tallest. But his IQ... Yeah, and his skill set is just on another level as well too. So no matter what defense you pull at him, if you take the ball out of his hands, his teammates, he's gonna make the right play. His mm-hmm. teammates are gonna make the jump, his his shots as well too. He's gonna get a favorable matchup. Put Donovan Mitchell on me, he only six six one. Mm-hmm. Finally on me, only six feet. Yeah, you're gonna put Joe Ingles, you're too slow. Bobon, yeah. You're too slow. Rudy uh-huh. Gobert, that's food. So I, I do believe that the Utah Jazz have their identity set in place um, and they're a more well-rounded team um, and are a better defensive team and they're not going to have as much lapses as well. But one thing that we're going to have to look out for is even if Dallas wins this series against the Clippers and can at least force a game seven, Mike Collins gonna need as much time as possible because he has a hamstring injury. Yeah, last game that people the people forget. <laughs> game five, he left that game due to hamstring injury, and he he reaggravated as well too. This is a Mike Conley who finally made an All Star this year, mm. and against Matt and against Memphis, who a pretty gritty team, averaged twenty and ten, which mm. I didn't even expect was gonna happen. So if you don't got Mike Conley, I got Dallas winning that series in seven. Um, but if you have Mike Conley as well, too, I just feel like this has been Utah's year. Um, so they're going to find a way to neutralize um, Luka's, you know, role players. So I got Utah winning in seven if, if Donovan Mitchell, not Donovan Mitchell, if Mike Conley can at least play, um, you know, at least four to five games as well, too. So it's just mm. going to come down to taking the ball out of Luka's hands and forcing everybody else to beat you. But it's really hard to – you're just you're not gonna stop him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's gonna get at least ten and, and six every night as well too. But I think Utah will do a better job at neutralizing their role players as opposed to 
as opposed to the, the the Los Angeles Clippers as well too. But it's one of those things where it can go at any either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Porzingis is gonna have to step up if they have any form of a chance as well too. That that shit where you just stand at the three point line the whole time, like you you got to be a man. Like you seven foot two, bro. Like sure. work inside, but. He is going to be able to keep Rudy Gobert out of the paint as well, too, which is going to work numbers for him. But um, I got Utah. They've been a number one team. They've been the number one team the whole year for a reason. They've been one of the most disrespected teams as well, too. Um, and I just feel like Donovan Mitchell is just out to prove everyone wrong as well, too. They got enough shooting as well, too, on their end. Um, they have a superstar in Donovan Mitchell and, and, and two other all-stars to go along with them as well, too. You pair that with a great coach, great defensive schemes. I think home court is going to matter as well, too, and they win in seven. So that's who I got. Now, before we end the podcast, going over to the Clippers, let's say the Clippers, you know, find a way to win game six. Pray that they win game six. Force the game seven, play at the Staples Center, and find a way to beat the odds and go up against Denver. I'm not Denver. So sorry. Utah. Who you got? Utah. Um, I actually got the Clippers. I think. If the Clippers play the Jazz, I mean, Kawhi and Pete, there's nobody on that team that can guard Kawhi and PG. Nobody. And then you can play Zubak, like, right, so you don't really have to try to go small. Like, you can go traditional lineups, and if you want to go small, you can. Like, Zubak won't be a, a liability in this matchup, right? And I think the Clippers have dynamic wings that can that can stop or slow down a Donovan Mitchell or make it difficult for a Donovan Mitchell and a Mike Conley. Those two guards are first and foremost, they're not as tall as Luka Doncic and they don't play like Luka to really exploit all the weaknesses of the Clippers defense. So I think that matchup, like if who you going to put on Kawhi and PG, if they see, if they see angles, that's food for them, right? Like they don't, they don't have to worry about a player who can give them 30 and 10 consistently the way Luca does. It's more, they're Utah's more by team, like more by offense by committee, defense by committee. So I think, I think the Clippers can beat the Utah Jazz in six or seven if that's the matchup they get. I feel like Utah would probably want to see Dallas instead of the Clippers because if the Clippers turn it on, they can be scary. That's the thing. People are like, which Clippers are you going to get? Are we going to get all those dogs? Because we don't like Kawhi. Still Kawhi, man. He's still a 29 and 10 player. So I think I think the Clippers, if they if they meet up with the Jazz, can beat them and make it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. If the Clippers find a way, like I said, I, I got Mavs. Um, just too many errors down the stretch that the Clippers do. Like, Unless the Clippers get out and knock them out early, if it's a close game, I got the match. But if in a hypothetical world, maybe I'll prove myself wrong, hopefully. Um, if the Clippers go up against Utah, I got the Clippers in six easily. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's there's only a few players, James Harden, yeah. LeBron James, and Luca, Trey Young in the future, who can Amen. literally manipulate the game. So all that shit that they be doing, Utah be doing. PG and Kawhi gonna lock that shit down, you know what I'm saying? Um, and like I said, like you said, no one can guard them. You can actually play Zubak 
a lot of minutes if you want to. You can also throw out DeMarcus Cousins. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you can utilize more of your bigs. Yeah. So they're going to force Rudy Gobert to essentially probably get out the game as well, too. But no one really fears Rudy Gobert like that. I just feel like Ty Lue is going to outcoach um, Schneider. And I just feel like the depth is going to kind of show. And I think if they've been through that adversity, being down 2-0, then being down 3-2, having to go on the road and win, and then, and then coming back at home as well, then if they've mastered that or got out of that, I really see no way of them kind of losing against Utah as well, too. Uh, because let's not forget, Utah has, I mean, obviously Donovan Mitchell hurt his ankle later on in the season as well, too. But they're one of those teams early on who wasn't affected by COVID, who wasn't really affected by injury bug like that. Kawhi PG kind of been out the lineup. We saw Serge Ibaka back go down as well, too. Um, and then they had to basically reintegrate a couple, um, you know, players into the Clippers roster, like a Ray John Rondo and whatnot, and Boogie Cousins as well, too. So I think the Clippers have the depth mixed with the top-tier talent, um, mixed with this, just the experience in general to get them over the hump if they happen to go up against Utah. Like I said, they win the six, but Donovan Mitchell is going to do Donovan Mitchell things. But um, I just feel like they're they're undersized. Um, and, and that's going to, you know, also be another thing as well. Two sides is going to show. So you got muscle bodies for Donovan Mitchell. You can actually play Patrick Beverly this series against them. Um, so that's going to be nice. But uh, I, I like the mesh between the guard and fours and, and the bigs, uh, you know, going, you know, head for head, side by side against Utah and, 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 and against the Clippers. So I got Clippers and six in an alternate universe. Wow. If they to win as well, too. So. I didn't want to be biased, man. Like I said, I just I've been watching how the series pans out. I know the Clippers can get it done against the Mavs, but I don't know, man. They just be acting goofy. I don't know if it's just because, like, I think they just need to get the hell up out of Staples Center, bro. That might be out of there, bro. They need to get out of there, bro. I don't know if there's some juju in there. Like, how do you lose three (laughs) home games? I don't, I don't understand. But we'll see what happens, man. They playing what? An hour, so an it's hour. gonna be lit. It's gonna be lit. But any 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 departing words you want to say for this episode? Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to come and rock it with you on the on the Caesar's podcast. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe, show love, follow my man on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and shout out. You know, it's been a pleasure. This NBA season is great. I love all the commentary that's coming out. Shout out to all the players, this the staff, the coaching staff during COVID. It's been crazy. Um, so I'm just a fan of good hoops. Ultimately, if we get good hoops and we get good competition, I'm cool with that, man. So shout out to all these players and coaches and staff, everybody that's making, giving us some form of entertainment during COVID, man. Shout out to all of them. For sure, for sure, for sure. Appreciate you having uh, being on the show as well, too. For sure, bro. Good talking hoops with you. So hopefully uh, I'm right with all my predictions this time. Hopefully the Clippers, the Clippers find a way to change my mind, but... I don't, I don't know. We'll see, man. That's why you played the I'm game. Ha- I'm going ha- to have that belief, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to execution and who won it most because after a certain amount of games, like, you already know what who you are. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to see what's good. But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 110 of The Caesars Show. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media. Sure. At Sir Caesars at The Caesars Show. We out. We out, bro.